Let me pray, and we'll ask God to, uh, to minister to us. Lord, your intention is to speak to your people. As we open Scripture, <clears throat> this Word of God, inspired by your Spirit, intended to speak to us now. So I pray for every person here, Lord, that you would um, minister to them directly. Uh, speak into their life circumstance in ways that only you know they need. And allow them to know that as they hear this word preached, that they are hearing the word of God. And I pray that as we move through this together, Lord, we will soon be able to leave this place knowing what God has spoken and knowing how we are to respond to it. So come now, we pray, our Lord, by your spirit, and, uh, and speak. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start uh, this fall season, I'm going to call it, by speaking about the church in COVID. Here we are. It continues on. I think we all agree that we're all pretty tired of the reality and that none of us really like it. Are you on board? Uh, particularly, I think, when it comes to doing church. Um, one of the things that I really struggle with, and this might sound familiar to you or not, I don't know, but... The very fact that I haven't seen some people in five months that I normally see every single week. I might not speak to them every week, but our lives intersect. We connect with one another. And it's just strange to me that that's not happening in my life. And it's one of the downsides of COVID. You know, we're not able to gather as we once did as an entire family of God. We are now able to sing, which is amazing. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, we're, we're in circumstances that allow some people to come here on a Sunday morning and some people to worship at home. And, in, and, and that's good, but it's not what we are used to. It's not, I suppose, what's best. And in a way, we're not able to mobilize to serve in the way the church normally mobilizes at this time of the year to serve. To come together in, in commitment and in passion, filled by God's Spirit to make a difference in this world. So I want to talk this morning about this reality, and I want to talk about how we are going to do church in COVID, because the reality is it's not going away anytime soon. I don't know how many of you heard this a week ago, but the World Health Organization said that it is not likely to be a widely accessible vaccine until mid-2021. So call it next June. That's another 10 months of this anyway, Right? And, and when you think about it, when you, we started in March and we're going to uh, 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 next June, we're talking basically a year and a half. And the reality is that we have to figure out a way to do church. So I, what I'm going to do is to take a quick look at the church and, and, and kind of put it in context, talk about what the church accomplishes, and then talk about how we are going to accomplish those things this year. First of all, I want you to hear this and I want you to get this. The church is God's creation. It's his idea. It's what he has formed. You know, the church has been disparaged in our society and for a lot of reasons that are legitimate. We have been, as a church at large, uh, not faithful to God and in, in, in how we have acted in so many regards. But, but I want us to know that even though the church has come on hard times, it's still God's creation. And it's still his plan. All the way back to the Old Testament, you'll remember the tent of meeting was formed where God would meet with Moses as a man would meet with a friend. It's a place of meeting. And as the 
Israelites began to travel around in, <clears throat> in the desert, the, this tent of meeting became known as the tabernacle. And it was a place where not only God, Moses met with God, but the people of God would gather together and they would experience his presence. They would come together in him. And in time, the temple was built in Jerusalem and the synagogues were formed at a distance. And God's people continued to come together to worship God, to hear God's word read, to hear God's word taught to be impacted by the reality of their Lord as they sat and stood in his presence. Sacrifices for sin were offered in the temple. Praise was offered up to God in song. You know, all the Psalms speak to this. Uh, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, the people of God would come into God's presence and, and worship him. Priests and Levites were appointed way back in order to uh, man and staff the, the worship of the temple and, and all that took place. The instruction about how to build the temple was guilt, given. Priestly clothing was, was prescribed. All of these things pointing to Jesus, the solution that would come. They symbolized what he would be someday when the Lord would bring salvation in him. But my point is this, my friends. It's God's design. It was God's plan. It was God's intention for his people. And then comes the New Testament area where the first new believers continued to worship in the temple courts until they weren't allowed to anymore. They were kicked out and, and, and they had to begin their worship otherwise. They became a deeply loving community. They were filled by the Holy Spirit of God and they began to witness to the reality of Jesus and his resurrection. Jesus told them to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations and to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach all that I have taught you. He said to his people, what I have taught you, I want you to teach everybody else. I want them to know so that they can follow after me. This was, this was the dynamic of the church and the intention of Jesus for it. And of course he said this in Matthew 16, verse 18. Matthew 16, verse 18. Here it comes. Well, maybe it's not going to come. Basically what Jesus said Okay, speaking to Peter and the disciples, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock referencing himself, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I love that little phrase, I will build my church. Think about it. He, Christ, is going to be engaged through this thing called the church, through this, this means of impacting people who are in the church and reaching out into the world. Jesus would be active by his spirit. And what did he say he would do? He said, I will build my church. It wasn't going to stay 12 people or 20 people or 40 people. It immediately became thousands of people. And, you know, today, after 2,000 years, it's over 2 billion people who claim faith in Jesus. Jesus has built his church, and he continues to do so. It's central to the plan of God. It's central to the heart of Christ. And the other thing I want to share with you today is that Jesus loves the church. Right? Ephesians chapter 5, it's a passage that we often reference when we're talking about husbands and wives. We looked at this in the spring, talking about marriage. But as Paul says in this text, what he's really talking about is Christ in the church. Let me read this, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives, listen, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You see, that's the vision that Jesus has for his church. Someday that again will happen. See, Jesus loved the church that he, to the extent that he died for us. You realize that? So much so that he intends to return in the second coming of Christ to claim his bride at the great consummation of all time. 
<laughs> the marriage feast of the Lamb. I don't know whether you think of the church in positive terms in this day and age, but I want you to. Because Jesus has formed the church. Jesus is empowering the church. Jesus loves the church. And Jesus intends to use the church. Now, I want you to grasp this. The church is central to God's plan for this world and for your life. And I am concerned today. Because of COVID-19, it threatens in a way to sideline us for way more than a year. It really does. It's, it threatens to, to cause people who are the church to sit back and think, well, we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't do that. We'll just have to wait for this to pass and then we'll be the church again. You have that sense? Have that, that feeling that maybe already that's what we've engaged in as we've dealt with the shock of COVID and that's legitimate and fair? But I want you to know, my friends, that I'm concerned for you and for me if, if indeed we sideline the church, where will the impact come? It is through the church God creates impact. It is through the church God does his work by his spirit, both in our lives and in, in this world. So listen, let, what does the church do and then how are we going to do it? Number one, we are formed as the people of God to worship God. But I would ask you today, what is the first and greatest priority of the, of the church of Christ? What would you say? He has formed us to accomplish things. What is the first priority by far, biblically speaking, that we are created to do. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's to worship God. A lot of people have deprioritized worship in life. They really have. Well, I'll get there if I can. Listen, the priority of the church, biblically, is to get into God's presence as his people and to lift him up, to worship him. You know, the ecclesia... <laughs> whew, shocking. What happened? The ecclesia is the Greek word for church. And it's the called out ones. People call out of the world to gather together in the presence of God to worship him. To be holy, God's people. Separated from the world for God and for his purposes. And we gather together, and, as we do right now, to hear the word of God preached. To listen for the voice of God in our lives so that we can, we can, we can respond to it in faith and in obedience. We gather together in, in the presence of God to sing praise to him. And I am so glad we're able to sing today. In spite of the masks, who cares? And we express our hearts to God. And he hears our hearts as he joins us in this place. We come to this place to pray and to honor God. Listen, we come to this place to recenter our lives before the Lord, to put him in the middle again, to put him at the heart of our perspective and of our minds and of our hearts, and to go from this place ready to live for him out of love. Church exists to worship God. Number two, the church exists traditionally called fellowship. We call it community. But we are meant to be in loving relationship with God and with each other. I've asked it so many times over the, the, the number of years I've been here, but it, are there people in this church, whether they're present with us or not, that you love deeply, as Peter says, and from the heart? That's the way it's supposed to be among us. You know, we're to love each other. We're to share our lives together. The way we've said it is we're to do life together and not alone. Nowhere in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament for that matter, does it ever envision a Christian isolated from other Christians Living life in a relationship with Jesus. It's a communal reality. It's community that's at the center of who we are. We're united in Jesus in our love for him and in his cause. You know, we're to encourage one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to pray for one another. You know all those one another's in the New Testament? 
We're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Literally, care so deeply for one another that when they're weeping, it breaks our hearts. We are to go through life in close relationship with each other, never alone. Number three, we're to learn and grow. We're to learn and grow as we dig into Scripture and as we are to study it and as, as we're to allow the, the truth of this book, this worldview becomes our worldview when we see life as God sees life. And this truth will transform us. We're all to be in the process of transformation so that we grow into the image of Jesus. It's a remarkable thing that you and I are to end up looking like him, resembling him in terms of character and thought and desire and heart. And the church exists for this reality, so much so that as we are in relationship with together, we are changed. So where sin has taken hold in our life, our lives, and it does, probably there is an element of sin to some degree that's taken hold in every life present here today and in every life that uh, <laughs> is watching. What the Bible says is that in the church, as we learn, as we grow, as we are transformed, the chains are broken and we are set free from its power. Where we are wounded and broken in our hearts, and we're all wounded somehow, we are to be healed and, 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 and made whole in Christ, where our thinking is faulty. We talked last week about how sometimes our thinking about God is faulty, it's wrong, so that we want to stay away from God rather than move toward Him in joy and in love. But where our thinking is faulty, we are to engage the truth of the Scripture, and we are to, that truth settles into our minds and our hearts, and it says in Ephesians, we are set free by it. See, my friends, we are to move from a self-oriented life where life is all about us to a Christ-oriented life, and we are made new in Him by Scripture, by fellowship, by learning, by growing, by worship, and so forth. We are called to this by the Lord. And lastly, we're to serve. You know, this is such an emphasis at IPC, isn't it? We want to be that church that goes out in power into the world, built up internally, jettisoned into the world so we can make impact for Jesus. It's at the heart of who we are. Now, I don't know about you, but I think one of the dynamic realities that COVID brings is that this is probably the hardest to take hold of because we can't touch people that we're called to serve. We're supposed to keep our distance. And we're, we're, we can potentially just stay isolated from the world. I want to say, my friends, in each of these areas, there's a threat in our lives. To not worship, what, how will that impact you for a year and more? To not learn, and, not, not learn and grow, how will that impact you for a year? To not fellowship, how will that impact you for a year and more? And to not really engage in service? See, this is not God's intention for us. And I would say even now we are called to be the church in the midst of COVID. And we cannot let COVID stop us from being what God intends for us. I guess the point is this. Very simply, the church is to be central to our lives as the means through which God makes his impact in us and dynamically moves through us into the world. And we're not going to stop. You see, this, this is where we experience the grace of God. And it is essential to our well-being as followers of Jesus. You believe that? You believe it? A lot of people today say, oh, the church isn't essential anymore. I can be the church on my own. A lot of people are moving in that direction. Worship's not that essential. You know, fellowship's not that essential. Learning and growing, no, I got it figured out. Even though their spiritual understanding and biblical knowledge might be that deep instead of this deep, right? And then serving, well, I'm too busy. 
listen, how are we going to do this? How are we going to engage these elements over this next year or so? Number one, worship. We're going to go back through those points. And I want you to be really open and consider what this might mean for you. You know, I am really proud that we began worship here in late June. I don't know about you. A lot of churches are just opening again and took the summer off. A lot of churches aren't even opening uh, for a lot longer than that. But you know what? Our opening on June the 28th, I believe, was was a, a recognition of the priority of worship for the people of God. And whether it was people who gather here or whether they worshiped in their home, it doesn't matter to me. What is important is that we took hold of worship and that we did so in a completely safe way. Have you recognized that? Even when someone was present with COVID in those early weeks, and I wrote, I've, I've written a letter to the whole congregation just after that happened, all the precautions that we put in place were absolutely effective because nobody else contracted COVID here. The, the, the work that was done by our team was effective and it was safe even then. And you know what? We have... We have um, continued to read the word and we have preached and we have praised God and we have given to God and we have left this place having heard God ready to respond to him in faith and obedience. That's an amazing thing that has happened all summer long. And I want us to continue that and when people at home are comfortable, they'll come back. Our numbers are up a little bit more from last week and they were up last week more from the week before. So maybe there's a bit of a resurgence in attendance and so forth. But only when people obviously are ready to come are we encouraging them to return. But listen, I want to speak to the people who are at home and choosing to worship at home right now. We have worked hard to increase our digital presence. You've heard that phrase, right? We have bought new equipment. We have resourced it. Our guys have worked incredibly hard to make it happen so that we are now live. People listening at home are are hearing me live as I speak and, 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 and so forth. And the best thing that I can say to those folks who are at home is this. Consider your time on a Sunday morning as entering into the presence of the living God to worship him. Please don't think of it as just another thing that you're going to watch on a Sunday morning as you have your coffee and, you know, check your texts and so forth. No, 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 no. Think of this time as a time of worship. Get into his presence. Sing the songs we sing. Pray the prayers that we pray. You know, give your heart and mind to God. And as you listen to the word of God read and preached, listen for that voice of the spirit of God speaking into your life that you might respond to him in faith and obedience. Consider this a priority of your life and pursue it as the worship of God. So we're going to continue to worship one way or another. It's not going to stop. Fellowship, community, again, can I ask all of us to make this a priority? It's going to be easy to say, well, you know, we're in COVID, and, and, and that's a possibility, and that may have happened already, but my friends, if we're going to make this a priority, we're going to have to choose it intentionally. We're going to have to make it happen. We're going to do life together with one another. We're going to love people as they love us, and we are, we are going to be people who gather one way or another and share our lives together. I met someone, I said this already, did, did, did I at the Dairy Queen? I'm blanking. I haven't mentioned this. Okay, I'm not going to name the person because I didn't ask, and I always ask before I mention. But we're just both going to the Dairy Queen, and that doesn't help, I know. But hey, it's COVID, so you've got to do something fun, right? <laughs> but, um, and, and, and this woman stood at a distance, and we both had our masks on, and she said, you know, the one thing that I really miss is being together with people. And, and I think a lot of us have felt that. And, and some of us, some people who are particularly um, uh, 
cautious because of age or because of physical condition, I think, are feeling it still quite keenly. And we have got to find a way to share our lives. And of course, our solution at IPC is our life groups. This has been central to what we've done for years. And if anything, it has to become absolutely and, and, and deeply more central to who we are going to be this coming year. Now, some of you um, will meet at home. We can meet in groups of 10 now, socially distanced, and some groups might meet that way. Others might continue to do it uh, on Zoom. And, and, and lots of that has happened uh, in the winter and spring and, and has been incredibly effective. That can, can, can carry on. But what I want to say is that we have talked and we have prayed and we have thought together as leadership, and the way we are going to do church is through worship and life groups. And you might think, well, is that it? Well, there are other things that happen, but that is the core means whereby we can be the people of God so that the impact can happen in the lives of our people and so that the impact can happen in our world. So, um, can I really encourage every person who calls IPC home to join a life group and to make it a priority for the sake of fellowship community? Um, last year, we had about 60% of our regular folks in life groups. And that's a phenomenal percentage for a church that's really good. Often doesn't get that high. But it does mean also that 40% of our people did not participate in a life group. I want to speak to you folks who, I don't know who you are necessarily, but I want to speak to that number. And I want to encourage you with all of my heart to consider, maybe even for the very first time, taking a step into fellowship, into community, into connecting with one another because I would say to you the Lord wants you based on scripture the Lord wants you to experience community he wants you to experience fellowship he wants you to love and be loved he wants people there for you in your hard times and he wants you to love them in their hard times he wants you to study together with them the scripture and so forth it is his will now we have on our app uh, and it'll be posted I think this afternoon a means for everybody who's not in a life group to sign up you can go there, you can just put your name down, and we'll get in touch. We'll make it happen. Or you can just email the church office. We'll make it happen. But listen, IPC, if we're ever going to do life groups, this is the season, isn't it? <laughs> and it's as people gather together in worship, and it's as people gather together in life groups, that the church will form, and the church will be empowered, and the church will be effective in all the ways it's intended to be. How do we learn and grow? Well, worship in life groups. Life groups. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the middle of them. He wasn't kidding. There's something distinct and unique between a person experiencing Jesus on their own and a person experiencing Jesus in the community of God's people. He promises something unique happens in that place. He is there by his spirit to teach us, to change us, and, and, and to cause us to grow in him. We're going to engage a church-wide study this year. It's written by a man named uh, John Ortberg, who's a well-known author. It's entitled, Eternity is Now in Session. And uh, it's really a, a, a deep look at biblically what salvation is and, and what it means for our lives. I think you'll really enjoy it. We're all going to study this together, and we hope and we pray it will create unity among us. We can't all be together, but we can all be studying the same material, listening to sermons on a Sunday morning, going to life groups during the week to continue the discussion. And it will create a unity for us, even though we might not be able to be together. And I, was, <clears throat> I just want to throw this in here lastly about life groups. I was thinking, in, in the, the times that I have grown most in my faith, when I have been transformed most in my faith, are, the, are those times that have been the most difficult times of my life, the most painful times of my life. 
<clears throat> I don't know what's ahead for us as the congregation or for the people of this congregation this year, but I know that when we hit those times, when we encounter those times, we need people to bear our burdens with us, to pray for us, to love us through those times that we might grow in Christ. Don't let the opportunity pass. <clears throat> let's take hold of this opportunity. <clears throat> Excuse me. And let's share together. Now, lastly, we're going to worship. <laughs> we're going to... We're going to um, fellowship. We're going to learn and grow, and we are going to serve together. You know, it's not just we who need the church. You do, I do. We can't let it slip for a long time. The world needs the church. The world needs the love of God poured into it. The world needs to be blessed and helped by the people of Jesus. So, how is it going to happen? Well, there are opportunities to serve internally again. They're more limited this year, but we have hospitality teams that welcome you on Sunday morning. We need a leader for that hospitality team, um, definitely. Uh, you, you know what we have going in terms of, of our youth ministry I've mentioned. Steve has a team up and running. They're meeting with kids, and, and it's, it's, it's a new vitality. A worship team under Jeff's leadership is growing. Downtown ministry. I said, Joyce, I texted Joyce, what are the ministry opportunities? She said, basically, there are tons. You know, we're going to, we are now feeding uh, the, the marginalized folks down there again on a Tuesday and on a Saturday night. We need people to cook those meals. We need people to engage that community and to love them as we eat the meals with them and lead them to Christ. We have baking needs. We have the need for people to sell our raw carrot soup at the market, I believe, on a Saturday morning. Is that the one you're talking about, Joyce? And Tuesdays and Sundays. Oh, I didn't read that properly. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and we need strong prayer support for our ministry down there. You know, we're on the front lines of ministry when we deal with that dynamic. And we need people to be praying that God by his spirit will over overcome the evil that has often taken over the lives of those people. Do you, so there, there are lots of ways to serve. Oh, children's ministry. <clears throat> our plan at the moment is this. Uh, and we'll, we'll confirm this if it all falls together, but to start to offer children's ministry one Sunday per month. Now, that's fantastic. The only reason we can't do more is we don't have more volunteers. Uh, that's the limitation that we have. And if we had more people who were willing to serve in children's ministry, we hopefully could offer it more often. So there are opportunities to serve internally. But what about externally? How do we touch the world in the midst of covid how, how do we get beyond that blockage, if you would, so that people can encounter the love of Christ and, and, and start to engage the kingdom of God through us and begin to wonder what is it that is causing us to love as we love as we build relationships with them? Well, I want to read you this little verse, Mark 9, 41. Jesus is speaking, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to me, the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. You know what I think Jesus was saying that day, in part? He was saying the kingdom of God comes through little acts of kindness. And the more I, I live, the more I pastor, the more I realize it's not the massive events that impact people's lives. It's little acts of loving kindness that are prompted by the Spirit of God that touch people's lives and cause their eyes to be opened to see the God whom we serve and whom we love. So here's how we're going to do it. For the course of this <clears throat> fall season, we're going to initiate um, something called Love Your Neighbor. And we've got a graphic for that. And it's simple. You know, it comes from the command of Jesus to love our neighbor. A neighbor he identified as anybody that we see who is in need. And we help that need. Remember the 
story, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Do you think there are people in need in our society right now? How many think so? Yeah, how many don't? Listen, there is tons of opportunity to need in little acts of kindness, whether it be your literal neighbors in your, in your neighborhood, I would encourage that, or whether it be people that you work with and you see need in them, whether it be physical or emotional or whatever the need might be, and in little ways we can bless their lives. You know, we can, we can give a telephone to call to somebody that we discover is lonely, and they don't have a life group. They don't have a church community to love them and to bear their burdens and to pray for them. You know, just give them a telephone call saying, I'm thinking about you and I'm wondering how you're doing. You know, we can write a note. Like, it's not a cup of water, but it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? To say, I, I was just, I'm concerned for you and I've been thinking about you and I'm praying about you and I hope you're doing well and I'm here for you. You know, there are so many ways we can just reach out in love when we see need in the people who surround us. So, this fall, we're going to be reminding you a lot about our Love Your Neighbor initiative. One of the things that we have also posted on our website is an opportunity when you love your neighbor in little ways, we want you to go to the website, we want you to find the right page, and we want you to type in what you've done. We want you to do it anonymously. Nobody's boasting here. But we want to know what our church is doing because it will encourage one another to love and good deeds. When, you, when I read what you have done, maybe I'll do it. And when you read what I have done, maybe you'll do it. Or maybe it'll spark creative thoughts that maybe nobody would have thought of without the site. So I really am challenging IPC. Let's serve in little ways, little acts of kindness, little acts of love. And I want to tell you, God will use those. Again, let's not let COVID-19 stop us from serving either it's in the church or beyond. Listen, in the end of the day, we get, according to the World Health Organization, about 10 months more of this, minimum. Could be less, and I sure hope it will be, but that's what they're saying. And the question is, how will we as the people of God respond? Take a hiatus from being the church for all that time? You know? Give up on serving the world? Are we going to engage this in the ways that we can? Seems to me we can give up or we can, we can embrace this. And my friends, I believe as a church we can thrive. I really do. God doesn't stop working because of COVID-19. Do we agree with that? God doesn't sit back and say, well, I'll get busy next year. <laughs> and neither should his people. And we can take hold of the, the mission statement we have to introduce people to Jesus, to deepen our faith, and to participate in God's life-changing story as we serve at home and around the world. I challenge you to do it. And in the end of the day, my friends, the church will thrive. You will be blessed. Your spiritual, emotional, even physical needs will be met, but so will the needs of those who surround us who need to know the love of God. Are you in? Are you game? Let's make it happen. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, we know you don't give up, if you would on your work and your ministry and your heart for people during COVID-19. If anything, Lord, when you see people struggling and hurting, you accelerate your efforts and you touch people and you reach to them by your grace and in your love. And God, we know you've established the church to bless your people, to build them up in faith, to enable them to worship you, Lord, to, to have fellowship, to, to experience real community of love together and to serve. God, we would pray that as, as your church, um, we're not, that we not sit back and just wait for this to end before we give ourselves with passion to being the church of Christ. God, give us incredible times of worship over this next 10 or 12 months. 
under Jeff's leadership as we gather together, either physically or um, on the internet, uh, draw us into your presence as we praise you. Lord, bless the preaching that will come so that you might speak deeply into our lives, so that we are changed. God, we pray that we will really know love one for another in these days. Let no one live through these times without others in their lives to care for them and to pray for them and to be good to them. God, bless those life groups as they form. We pray that new people will join in and there will be a real movement of your Holy Spirit as those groups gather together, as Scripture is opened, as people pray together, as we study your truth. God, change our lives in the midst of that. God, we pray that we will be a people who not only worship and, and experience worship together, Lord, but we would be a people who come together and learn and grow. We want to be changed. We pray in this season that you will change us, whether it be, Lord, allowing difficult times to come into our lives, whether it be times when we just take hold of biblical truth as never before. God, by your spirit, be at work in us and make us more like Jesus. And Lord, let us serve. Let us let this church mobilize so that your kingdom comes, so that lives are changed, so that many are blessed in this world. So, Lord, I pray for every person gathered here. I pray for the people at home who are listening. And I ask that you would specifically speak into their lives, giving them conviction about each of these points and a determination to be the church of Jesus in the midst of COVID. And this, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.